podcast. It's a special today with just me and Craig, our uh, cap-wearing stat ninja. Uh, we are <laughs> going to be looking at, as you can see on the screen, well, you can see ownership right now, but we're going to be looking at seven types of different startup for FPL teams. So obviously the uh, deadline is tomorrow, so we want to be looking at getting our teams locked in. So we thought we'd release one last podcast to help you guys if maybe you were struggling with the start. So the ownership is the first one we're going to look at. Uh, but first off, how are you doing, Craig? Yeah, I'm good. My wife just asked me why I'm wearing a baseball cap so early in the morning, but I said it's a pod, so uh, <laughs> I have my baseball cap on. What do you mean? I, I assumed you wear it like to bed and everything. I think I probably would do. I've been known to try and go up in the woolly hat before, and it's uh, not been uh, not gone down too well. So <laughs> you can never be too careful with protection. <laughs> Some burning bed, yeah. <laughs> um, so you're going to take us through the seven teams today. We're going to have a little discussion around them. Um, obviously, I've looked at a few of them, and uh, you, know, you know what? You look at your own team, and I was comparing them to like the seven different types of start you could get, and I was like, that team looks tasty. <laughs> I think so, the main yeah. thing is a lot of people go in almost without any strategy. I feel like in game week one, they pick. I, I don't. There's obviously different ways people pick players. Whether it's ones they like, whether it's ones they think do well. Some pay no attention to fixtures and just get players that are very stat focused. Some go over the top looking at fixtures. Some are really drawn towards ownership. And I think if I'm being honest, the best strategy is some sort of combination of all of them. But I think there'll be quite a lot of people, especially new players, that will be going in completely blind with almost no strategy. Mm. And I feel like you kind of have to have a rough idea what, what you're looking to gain out of it and what your strategy is. So I say this is just seven teams all following slightly different strategies. And I say one may resonate more with some people than others. Some may have a completely different strategy to any of these, which is obviously also fine. But it's just getting to people thinking really about how they're attacking and approaching their teams. I don't know where you fit into these. Do you want to jump into ownership first then? Yeah, so yeah, this this one, probably fairly self-explanatory ownership. So yeah. <laughs> all of these players are all over 10% owned. Um, so I'll, I'll run through them. So Martinez, obviously in goal, 38% owned. The defence of Luke Shaw, 55%. Trent, 32%. Diaz, 27%. And White, 25%. Their midfield, Salah, 51 Bruno, 49 Rafinha, 21 Ings then up front 31, Tony 30, and Antonio 22. So there's obviously again pros and cons to all of these strategies. We'll touch on all, all of those. The obvious pro to this one is that you're pretty much guaranteeing yourself an average rank because any player that does well, you're with a high ownership, you're likely to own. Obviously, they're, they're the big fears, aren't they? At the start, if you go without a player with a high ownership and they take off um and you haven't got them, you're you're chasing already. You, that that you cover most of that here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think I've seen anyone yet. How, did, what did you say Salah was ownership at the moment? Salah is 51%. He's the second most owned after Shaw in the True, game. But that, I even say that seems quite low, given the fact that st he started with a hat-trick last year. They're playing Norwich. He's going to start. Like, I don't think I've seen a draft without Salah as captain in it. I, it would take a very brave person <laughs> to go against that. However, I guarantee a few people have gone for Mane to save that 0.5. Um, I think you need one, don't you? I think Liverpool's fixtures are too good. I you've got, you've like, got to have one of them. Like, if you don't have Salah or Mane, why are you playing FPL? There's too many. I think they're captain options in like six of the first seven or something. I think they'll be easy, possible yeah. captain. And I, I don't mind people going against him as captain because you'll still get his baseline points, and obviously you'll get double off someone else. So you you can't lose that much ground, even if Salah does well. But obviously, if you haven't got him at all, and I think it's quite that Bruno is a big one for this. Obviously, a few people are with him and without him. If he, if he takes off in the first week, gets 15 points, you haven't got him. You can try and cover him with Greenwood. You can try and cover him with someone else. It, 
but it, like I think a lot of people pick their team based on ownership. I think when they go to pick a team, they actually look at teams selected by the TSB. And I guarantee you a lot of people choose their team based on TSB purely. Although I, I don't do that. But having said that, I, I do have seven to eight of those players, I think, currently in my draft. Maybe maybe actually seven. That's not bad, though, right? Because I, I said at the start, it's probably about balance. You probably want a mixture of all of these things. I said, yeah. If you have this team, you'll probably be in the first 500k after the first sort of six, eight weeks. And if you're a player that's used to having a bad start, you are this may be a way of just making sure you get a good start until you wildcard. So I'm not against this as a fairly general first strategy. There are obviously negatives to it as well. The main one, I think, is that you're probably going to be dealing with some price drops fairly soon because some, uh, invariably some of these high-owned players are going to be sold early on. Well, obviously White. the game is the most, <laughs> it may be Ben White, but there's obviously most active players in the early game weeks. People get excited about making transfers, don't they, and take hits and all that sort of thing. And there's going to be a lot of highly-owned players that will be ditched early on. Yeah, uh, so especially to make way got, for others. If you've got so many of them, invariably some of these are going to have to go down. Fernandez, Fernandez, Fernandez and Salah, for instance, you you know you you could use them easily as a makeshift ready for a Kane move or the Lukaku if you start smashing it. You know, one of those can get ditched, and and you know what what's the problem in taking Fernandez out at twelve million and Ings out at eight? And then swapping around, having an eight mid and a twelve striker, Pfft, nothing. Do you know what I mean? It's, simple. It, it's it's more than possible early on here that Leeds get battered by Man United first game. Rafinha does nothing. Another six point five or six million mid that are all really good, do well. Everyone with Rafinha will be jumping onto that player. Like, I think you've got to deal with Tony at the same time. who may be sold. Yeah. And before you know it, you've got three players that are all at risk of going down. I I, I love Rafinha. I think he's a great player. I think he will have a good season. And I have seen him in a lot of teams. But the two red fixtures at the very start scare me a little I do you know I think that the second one is Everton isn't it which I think it depends on what Everton are turning up at the end of the day but I don't think Leeds will fare too well against United truthfully so I haven't really put him in my team but I know full well he'll be in my team at some point and it's nice to have that 6.5 available around the midfield to always get him in somehow and this comes down to where other strategies fit we haven't we're not going to touch on wild cards and things here but if you're playing on wild card in fairly late then maybe you get Rafinha in now and so you can hold him all the way through if you're going to wild card early, you can maybe go without him and then get him in on your wild card if you want to do it week five, week six. Equally, if you want a wild card late, you may have a plan to start with X player and then move to him with a transfer at some point. Yeah. So it's another it's another form of strategy you may need. But um, I say the, the easy thing for a lot of people is just to get the best players from the start. And so some people will be sitting with him for, for four weeks maybe and not getting a lot out of him in preparation for sort of the better fixtures that come afterwards. But yeah, I, I don't mind this as a... A general strategy, especially for a new player, to not lose too much ground early on and then be able to sort of build on that when they get a bit more knowledge and understanding of the game, should we say? Very, very true. Should we, should we swap to number two? Let's go to number two. So number two we're looking at... So this is, yeah, flexibility. I don't, I don't expect many people to start with this, but you may not notice it straight away, but this team includes the highest costing player every, in every position. So Mendy in goal is one of the, the six million goalkeepers. Obviously, Trent at 7.5 in defence, um, Salah in midfield, and then Harry Kane up front. So he's got every um, every position the most expensive player is in. Now, the team, I don't think, looks horrendous, even though, well, obviously, that's obviously a fair amount of budget taken up there by doing that. I think if you went in with this team, obviously, Kane aside, obviously, because he's not playing. But if, if he was playing, and I think it's not horrendous. And, and the pros of this team is that every player in the game now is transferable in one transfer. Mm. Because you've got the expensive, you can downgrade to anyone and get 
get on anyone that you want without having to take minus fours and minus eights and maybe restructure. So you mentioned Kane in our last on Monday, didn't you, in our live pod, saying that you don't think he's going to move to Man City and he could end up staying at Tottenham. It's Thursday and, and it's looking more likely right now because at the moment he's just going to miss the start of the season. Yeah, so the, I don't think this draft works with him. I don't know who, so say Vardy instead of Kane in this instance, because I think he's going to play and he's, he's now to play. So the only players out of reach would be Kane then. And if, let's say, then you make a decision in game week three or four, maybe when we know where he's playing and, and things like that. I mean, and Lukaku may yeah. come in around the same sort of time. I think Lukaku would be my my optimum choice. Although Luke, they've got a great start fixture and then they've got two difficult ones, Chelsea. So it's, but I mean, yeah, difficult but, uh, on paper. The, the, the point of the team is that you can get to anyone. And that's how I think for a lot of managers, it'd be a fear if you go in with a lot of 6.5 midfielders, for example, if one of the 8.5s do well, you've got a problem bringing them in because you need to find the 2 million. It may take you two or three moves to be able to afford that upgrade. In with this strategy, teams, you wouldn't have to do that because you can just downgrade someone. Yeah, in these teams, is the budget used up every single time? Yeah. Cool. So, um, I mean, I could have sat here adding it up, but I got the maths. <laughs> no, I no. got the maths. No, I can't do that. There's obviously weakness again here, though, because if you did want Salah and Bruno, for example, you're not necessarily picking the best players in every position. You're almost hamstrung yourself because those expensive players cost so much. A lot of your squad is filler to accommodate those most expensive premiums. So if you did want to go in with Salah and Bruno, you could try and invariably find a way to upgrade Sun, but it's not going to be easy. You maybe could downgrade Rafinha, but then your squad's full of 4.5s. And do you really want five or six 4.5s in your team? I, I don't. No, it's a very unbalanced team, isn't it? To have four or five really big premiums, then four or five fodder almost all together. Yeah. You sort of block yourself being able to get other players if you do it that way. Like yeah. You always you you have to make two transfers at a minimum because you need to downgrade the premium up, up downgrade the premium up <laughs> up uh, thingy the, the the small one. Um, yeah, I mean. <sighs> I don't like it as such because no. I say I don't like the lack of flexibility. In some ways, it's flexible because you can get anyone in, but it's unflexible because you, it, there's not a lot of players in the middling uh, price points. It's, it's expensive for fodder almost. So just something to bear in mind, there'll be people that, especially new players to the game, that just go straight in and think, I'll get Kane, I'll get Salah, I'll get Bruno, I'll get Trent. Because not that easy. it's obviously that from people who just watch football and don't haven't played FPL before, they'll go after those big names and... They obviously will probably end the season with the most points, but you, you've got to find that balance between is it worth having four or five of those players and then four or five awful ones? Or Absolutely. do you want to try and sort of find a middle ground? But it's a strategy some may look to, to employ at the start. Coming up next is quite a sexy team. We're looking at the premium midfield. You like this one? I do. I'm not a fan of Wilson. Uh, I would potentially, now we know Watkins is playing, I would potentially go from Ings to Watkins, say 0.5 and maybe upgrade Wilson. Like, I mean, if Wilson stays fit, he'll score. We know that. Like, he proves that. But it is, I mean, look at that midfield. Like, ignore, ignore the players so much. It's, it's more, I was just covering price points when I was sticking this off. So it doesn't have to be Wilson. It could be any 7.5. Yeah, yeah very, very true. My, my midfield is quite similar to that right now. And there's gains to it, right? I think... Um, Little shout out to um, one of the other podcasts. Um, I've forgotten what it's called. All uh, above the average. So Baker three four three, who is one of the um, the podders on there, he put a thread out at the end of last season talking about midfielders, and there was forty four of them that got over a hundred points. Um, and then no one did in any other any other positions. So I think for it is a position where the most points are available to be scored. Obviously, they get points for clean sheets, um, where strikers don't. They get extra points for goals. 
So I think it does make a lot of sense to attack midfield in FPL. Yeah. I think it's probably the most ad advantageous position. Definitely. So if that's the case, then do you maximise that position? And so I don't think this team necessarily as horrendously for it. The, the, the big drawback is that you can't really have a defender who costs more than 4.5. No. So it's eggs in one basket in that way that you're all in on midfield. Um, and again, it, this is where balance comes. You may want to lose one of those, may, maybe downgrade Mares to a, a 6 million, and then you can get one or two more expensive defenders in, and that gives you a bit more balance. So if, if you went Mares to Ben Rama, for example, you could upgrade Veltman to Trent, and maybe that, that's where the balance comes in. How many premiums do you want? Maybe having Salah, Son and Bruno with Rafinha and Ben Rama is good enough for you. Yeah. And I mean, that allows you to have Trent with a quite a cheap defence. So this defence has got two... This defence has got two four millions in it. Um, at the moment, Samiskas looks like he's playing at least to, for the first couple of game weeks. Amati obviously started the Community Shield, but they've been linked with Vestergaard now. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's risky, one, but you may get away with it for a week or two. And you have got three, if you pick the right three, 4.5, you could just play them every week. There'll be, there are 4.5s who are pretty much nailed for their teams. What? So, when you when you look at these teams, a little one of the, the team like this, this is this is the this is the trap I've fallen into before in FPL, and this is what means I have to end up taking like a minus four because like you'll have a cheap defense and you'll have a premium mid, and all of a sudden like I I'll think I need to get Trent Alexander Arnold in. Let's say he's got four green games, he's going to smash it. I need to get him in. You have to you ha I get trapped because you have to make two transfers to then get him in. So downgrade the premium, upgrade the defender. Yeah. Um, unless you really plan it and do the downgrade one week and then the upgrade the next. But I always feel like, well, I'm going to miss a game then. So is it pointless? So you're right in terms of the balance. I think like you've got to have the players you want straight away from the start and sacrifice one or two players down to slightly less, like like you said, Mahrez to Benrahma, for instance. Because otherwise you do get trapped. And this is why I ended up taking so many hits um because I, I used to trap myself um you can deal with it i am probably one of my strengths i think in fpl is managing to roll transfers and quite mm. i think i've said before on some of our pods that i'm i'm big fan of doing three transfers for a minus four so i roll transfers obviously have two threes then take an extra one as well and do a <laughs> minus four if you can plan for that if you know that for example, the premium defender you want, say Trent has got a run of four good games coming up in a couple of weeks. If, if one of your transfers the previous week is not really a necessity, then roll it. Um, and I think that's part of the planning as well. I think a lot of people get drawn into feeling like they have to use their free transfer. Chaser. I'm, a, I'm a fixture chaser at the end of the day. If I can see, you know, if, Callum, if I had Callum Wilson and he had a red game against Chelsea, for instance, away... And someone, you know, let's just go with uh, someone comparable, uh, Ings again, then had a green game and I didn't have him in. I'd be looking straight away at swapping those two players. Probably not a net, probably not a transfer that's necessary at that point, you know, but I would make it simply because I'm a, fi a fixture chase. Game week two is a prime example, I think, with that Man City game at home to Norwich. If people don't, the, the first game for Man City is not amazing away to Tottenham. No. The third game at home to Arsenal is I'm OK right with that being amazing. I'm all right with that. Yeah, but it's not. If you get a Man City player in for the first four game weeks, I think you are really looking at targeting that Norwich game. And yeah, the other yeah. three are kind of. If if you look at it as a block of four, there'll be other midfielders that can probably cope with the four as as well as Man City can. So I had no Man City players, and I kept looking at the fixtures and thinking, Do you know what? Yeah, Tottenham's Tottenham could be difficult. Let's not like lie. You know, they've been all right in preseason, so let's see. 
Then I was like, they've got Norwich. It's like, I need I need Man City players for the Norwich game. It's just obvious. You, you have to have one. And then I was like, Arsenal. Again, I'm not bothered by Arsenal. I don't think they'll cause much of a problem to, to Man City. So I was like, I've got, I've got to try and get a Man City player in at least, at least one. It comes down to whether you think a player from a different team across the three or four games can match the Man City player across that block. And if you think they can, you don't really need to be making a transfer to bring that Man City player in. No, I mean... Him, I think that's different in game week two. It's an interesting decision for a lot of people in game week two. Liverpool have got Burnley as well, haven't they? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if I've got... Uh, Liverpool have got Burnley, yeah, they've got another nice fixture. So, I mean, obviously, you're starting with Liverpool. I think in my podcast where I did the... My solo one where I did the fixtures, I think, like, the first two game weeks were full of Liverpool and, and essentially you needed at least one or two Man City simply for that Norwich game and the Arsenal game. Um, like, Liverpool's a no-brainer. Chelsea I wanted as well, but Chelsea, I don't know. I started... Like, Havertz was all in my first drafts and I've not got him in at all anymore. Like, I got rid of him a long time ago. Um... I kind of want Lukaku, but we'll see. I don't know if Lukaku will play that first game. He hasn't been announced yet, so he probably hasn't trained. So I don't think he'll play the first game, which is a bit of a problem because um, I'd want him against Crystal Palace. And this is where decisions come in, right? How, how desperate do you want a player for a particular one game week? So I haven't got any Man City at the minute. Am I worried about that Norwich game? Yes. But do he I feel like my squad can cover them across the yeah, first four? Exactly. I'd say it's different if you intend to captain someone, but... Um, Maybe not so much if you're not going to captain him. I think that's a lot of the, the problems people having with Bruno. He's got good games for a reasonably solid period of time, but how many are you going to captain him in? And well, a lot of people will think that maybe his, his price is too high for someone that's not really going to get captained very much. The, so this is the, the sort of internal discussion you're having with yourself almost of whether you want someone. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, other, the other problem is Pep Roulette, as everyone knows. Like I've got a, a Man City midfielder in at the moment. Will he play the Norwich game? Who bloody knows? <laughs> we we know we know Foden and we know KDB are out for like the first four to six games. Like we know yeah. that. So like that doesn't leave too many. Like he cut, you know, he probably Rodri will play, but no one ever wants a CDM. Uh, you know, I, I think it's gonna be your Grealish, Mares, Gundogan are the three that'll probably play the first three to four games. So I think you've only got Bernardo as competition for Grealish and Mares should really start out wide, but you've got Bernardo who could potentially play one of them. He, and then you've got Gundogan and um Yeah. It's silver. I think plays. it's as loud as it's gonna get for Man City. As you say, there's injuries, there's no um cup competitions underway yet, so the fixture congestion doesn't really start. So you'd like uh, to think it's gonna be a period of the season for Man City where I mean, the nailed players don't get rotated as much. You'd like to think it's now. Silver. So I'm, I'm all on board getting a couple in. I've got uh, in Sky. I'm definitely going to get a couple. Yeah. FPL. Um. I don't. I'm, I'm quite set on Salah and Son. Bruno. I'm very on the fence on. He's in and out at the minute, and it's basically that position that may become a Man City player. So I've got to decide on Bruno or Man City basically for the first it's, four. It's hard to go without a Man United Man United attacking force for the first couple of games. It's difficult to go without it. I looked at it and thought, oh, I don't want to. But you can't get Salah, Fernandez, Son, Mares in a team really no. without it looking, I'll be fair, like a dumpster fire. <laughs> so you, have, you have Greenwood. Can he cover Fernandez for the first three or four? Maybe. Especially if like Cavani's it. been given extended leave. Um, yeah. Martial, though. Like he's still, he's fit, he could play. It's it's a sickening out. Right. Well, this next one is the one that could help us maybe look at this because the next one is fixture. So should guarantee a good start, right? You're picking these. I looked at the fixture ticker on Fantasy Football Scout, and I did the first six game weeks, and I think all of these teams that are in this were in the top sort of eight. So um, in theory, if you believe the fixture ticker and you're a big fixture fan, then these players should all get quite good starts. 
Um, so if that's if you've got you want a chance of getting a blistering start, you've got this. The obvious drawback is that teams that have good fixtures to start with invariably will have bad fixtures straight afterwards. And if you've gone all in on the teams with good fixtures to start after that run finishes, you're likely to have a squad full of people that have all then got bad fixtures at the same time and getting them all out again is an ideal unless you're going to wild card them all out. So I like this for attacking the early game weeks. I would argue as well that like you give yourself a benching problem because those players that are obviously on the bench, they are not really players you ideally want to be benching. I'll be fair. I would, if I had this team... I'd bench boost first game week because it's a fucking number one. I reckon all three of those players will play. I hate the bench boost chip. I never know when to play it. I don't think we'll have loads of double game weeks this season like we have before. COVID, like last year, gave us bumper ones. So for me, I'd be getting that chip out of the way and bench boosting that. It's a fair point because in the, this is the only game week in the season where you almost get to use two chips at once, right? This is almost like a wild card, isn't it? Game week yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're almost getting to use a wild card and a bench boost at the same time. And that's not a luxury you get any other time in the season. So no. I don't, that's possible. If you think you've got 15 starters. I'd be I'd 99% sure with Buendia being injured, Bailey will play. Veltman is one of Burnley's for the first on the team sheet. Simiskas, we know, should play. You know, apparently Milner's going to play, but I think he'll play, like, he'll play midfield, I think. Um, so I, 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 I am absolutely certain all four on those bench play. So I would be definitely bench boosting that. There's a, yeah, I hadn't even considered that, but it's an option if you want to go all in on the fixtures for week one, at least. You could even top it up a bit more and get a Chelsea in or something if you think their fixture is the best in week one. I mean, and then, then plan to transfer them out as a yeah. really attack the what really attack um, the pinch boost. The only one the only one I wouldn't I wouldn't have in that team really right now, and I've had I've had a lot of these players in. The only two, in fact, the only two I haven't had in this team at any time are in my team are Wilson and Saar. Never put them in. Um it doesn't have to be those two again, does it? It could be... No, no, of course. Of course. Yeah. I'm just... But by going by fixtures myself. Um, is Calvin Lewin going to play? I know he's yellow flagged there, but I don't know if he's going to play. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I've had it... Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't. I wasn't looking for an inside scoop. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I had him in all the way till, like, very recently. And then he was like, oh, he's injured. He's, I think it's a toe injury. He's got the old Alan Shearer injury from Chapman. Uh, and I was just like, oh, yeah, do you know what? It's £8 million. I don't want to waste on a person who's not going to potentially play. Um, if he does, then maybe it's one of those where, you know, I'll be looking at getting him in a transfer. Um, so the fixture team's quite nice, I'd be fair to you. So the next one is a little bit fun. This one is your punty. <laughs> I'm, say, so especially because I'm playing into wildcard quite early, I want a few punts in my team. Uh, this team's maybe slightly overloaded with punts. If you go through it, Cancelo... I don't, know. Going, uh? I don't know if it is. I wouldn't say uh, that all... I mean, Sancho's punty because uh, he, he may not start the Leeds game. I think he will. Um, we don't know how well he's going to play. Torres Torres is massively punty. <laughs> because, but uh, I mean, with Torres, it could really pay off. Because if he plays through the centre up front, which we yeah. know he can, because Jesus is crap and he's obviously coming back and they've got no other striker, then... Torres isn't a bad shout, and I've looked at him myself. Yeah, I mean, I'd say... Ben Rahama a bit. He's been in, on fire in pre-season for West Ham, and he's, yeah. he's doing the rounds on Twitter. But I think a lot of West Ham fans are still not sure if he'll get past... Will he be the first I person mean, subbed off? Explain to me the bench. That's punty. <laughs> you yeah, keep... well, there's a few in here, right? Like, so Wolves have got a new manager. He seems like he's going to be really attacking. So I quite fancy Wolves attackers, and a lot of people aren't getting them till week four. I think a lot of people will look at Ings to Jimenez as a nailed on sort of game week four move see see him and his for the first three sort of shaky games and then get him in for Wolves' good run 
But there's no guarantee. I, I think there's a reasonable chance he'll get off to a good start as well, despite those so-called trickier games, just because Wolves will be so attacking. Yep. So I think Jimenez is, is a bit punty to start with. Yeah, Torres may could be up front, may not even play. We don't know. Sancho, we, we, we're relying on Bundesliga form transferring across. Cancelo's competing with Walker. I think he'll start week one, but then he, there's no guarantees how many games he plays. Then Answer. Bergwijn's been playing Here we go. Left this wing. is the one I want to know about. So Answer me a question. Is so he in your team? He's been playing left wing. So that, at the moment, Tottenham have been playing Bergwijn, Ali and Mora behind Sun and very sort of counter-attack focused setup. Is Bergwijn in your team? No. But okay, because been... you've been cam- you've been banging the drum for Bergwijn. I've been banging the drum for all of, the, all of the Tottenham mids. Uh, one of them is going to do really well. I But the problem is I've got Sun in my team at the minute, so I don't want one of the other three with Sun. Yeah. So if I didn't have Sun, I'd be more than happy. I, I don't know which one. I say I think Bergwijn is the runner of the three. Moore has taken on a slightly Ali's more creative on my, role. Ali's on my list. Watch list. Yeah. But it's punty again. We don't quite know if it's going to... It's been working pretty well in pre-season for Tottenham, but will it transfer to the league games? I think the first two are interesting because Man City defend with quite a high line and haven't got great pace when Walker's not playing. So will Tottenham's midfielders get a run in behind? Will Sun get a run in behind the high line with no pace? Possibly. We've seen Man City get exposed before to teams that don't have much possession but are really efficient on the counter-attack. True. And then, and, and then they've got Wolves in week two, who I've just mentioned, they're going to be really attacking as well under their new manager. So will that leave space for Tottenham's sort of counter-attacking play? Yes. So I think I think Tottenham assets are maybe been a bit underlooked for the first two game weeks because of that. But again, he's punty. Um, I, I fully expect one of these five or six sort of lesser-owned punty players will probably start really well and then will form a bandwagon. So if you get them in from the start and they do well, you're obviously on them at the, the opening price and then you've not got to afford the extra to get them in when they start rising 0.1 or 0.2. So you've got, you've got that in your favour. The, I guess the problem is that to have them, you're then not owning some of the better owned players. And if they do really well and your ones don't, then you're leaving yourself a bigger gap to sort of make up because everyone else has got quite good starts with the, the players with higher ownership. You've taken a punt and it's backfired. And then you're one, you've got to get your players out. And two, you've lost maybe 20, 30 points on sort of the average. So this this is probably the riskiest strategy of all of these because it could really work out in your favour if they all do really well, all of your punts. Like Torres could score a hat-trick against Tottenham. It wouldn't surprise that many people if Man City won 3-0 when he got a hat-trick, would it? I don't think. If he's playing centre-forward. Maybe. I would be. I mean, I'd be surprised if Tottenham... Yeah, I'd be surprised at a 3-0 drub in a Tottenham, in, in fairness. But... Yeah, it's not, it's not impossible that Torres starts well, though. So if, you, if Sancho then has a really good start as well because people have been going for Bruno and going for Son... So you could end up getting 20, 30 points ahead of the masses if some of your punts work out. Equally, you could be 20, 30 behind if none of them work out and the average, the, the highly owned players all do well instead. So I, this is those for the higher risk um, managers, I think, to, to risk a higher start. But I, I I like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next If I was allowed is... two teams, I would definitely be going for something like this with my seconds. Yeah, that that's true. I, yeah, I, I mean, you, yeah, if it was FBL don't do two teams, Sky do, but I, I'm not even doing a second team in Sky this year. I just, I just can't focus on more than one. So the next one is our putting the full budget onto the pitch. Yeah, so a lot of drafts, again, I've seen with maybe a 6.5 million midfielder on. Like my, One of my first drafts had Rafinha first sub for the first week because I didn't really fancy him against Man United. And because I'd spread my funds quite equally around positions, I ended up with a lot of players. I didn't really have much fodder in my squad because my cheapest players in each position weren't actually that cheap. It was a 4.5 defender, a 6 million midfielder and maybe a 6.5 striker. And people are lining up with five quite good midfielders and three good strikers are going to have to bench one if, if that's your, the approach you're going to take. So if you look at that premium midfield we put up earlier, if you had three strikers with that, 
you have to bench one of them because you can't play eight attackers. So if you end up doing that, you're not obviously getting the budget on your pitch. Would you be better off downgrading one of those to the fodder in that position, which might be like two million cheaper? And then that would allow you to upgrade someone else in your team by two million that might make your starting lineup stronger. Because what, what's the point in having a massively strong bench? Well, there is that case. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, my bench at the moment, I would say is strong, but not overpowered. So like, I know full well that it, I would be quite happy if one of the, if one of my players didn't start, that I'd have a decent cover on the bench to come on. Or let's say not a decent cover, let's say someone who's guaranteed to play. Um, so that, I mean, that's the way I'm set up at the moment. I would never do like that, you know, fantasy football Scotland, where they call it the bench trick, where literally they just put in the shittest player to rot on your bench or one or two of the shittest players, because with, with Scotland, the highest scoring sub comes on anyway. Um, but I would never in FPL ever think about having three, like 4 million players bottom of the run just to save that money, because you never know when you're going to rely on your bench. Well, I had a draft with Matt Target, a 5 million defender, is on the bench, and Rafinha, a 6.5 million midfielder on the bench. Now, they was in a for longer term than one game week. I wasn't there just for one game week, but I had 11.5 million on the bench, where those positions could have been Brownhill, who's going to play for 4.5 in midfield, and even like Ben White for 4.5 million defence down from target. So I've saved myself 2.5 million there. Yeah. I've still got a full playing bench because Brownhill and um, White will play. But that 2.5 million might be the difference between having, I don't know, Sancho to Bruno or something. Or, I don't know, Tony to Ings. I don't, you could upgrade two or three people. That's a That's- little like my team right now, in fairness, on my bench so on my bench at this very moment, I have Luke Shaw, Bissouma, and Amati. So you've got two. So it's just I've short. Four point, I've got four point five. Is it Amati? Is, is he four point five or four? No, he's four million for Leicester. Yeah, so I've got a four point five or four million, and I've got Shaw at five point five, because I'm not convinced that that Man United keep a clean sheet against Leeds. I think they could score, but I, I think United will win. But I just don't think he'll keep a clean sheet. I could effectively get him in for the clean sh- uh, for the assist potential, but it would block a lot of other people that I'm pretty sure will do better. So that's my bench at the moment, which I, which are five point five. I think one sub. What's that? Yeah, one one sub. I think is kind of fair enough. If you want a solid first sub, just in case someone doesn't play, especially if you've got a few sort of that's, that's if starters in your first eleven. Short. Yeah. Because I, I toyed with Alonso for a little bit. I know he played 120 minutes last night in the Super Cup, which might not have been ideal for week one. But I toyed with having Alonso as a one-week punt to then move okay. on to someone else in week two. But if you want a first sub that's half decent in case Alonso's dropped and Chilwell comes back in, for example, then I can I can deal with that. But it, it seems a bit weird that I've seen numerous teams that have got maybe like five million on the bench that they don't need really need to have on the bench. They could downgrade all of their three subs to play in players if they needed. But they could obviously five million could then make a massive difference to their starting a lineup. So I definitely think at the start you want your budget on the pitch. I think as much of it as you can get. So this team on the screen now has done that with Brown Hill, Amati, and Oberfamey on the bench. You should still, based on what we know at the minute, still have two playing subs there. Yeah, I mean Oberfamey's not going to start. Oh, I don't think any. I probably won't play many. I think he might be off. To be fair, he meant to be going on loan somewhere. Amati, as I say, he may his place looks maybe under threat if they sign Vestergaard. Weird but, signing, but. <laughs> Maybe you could downgrade one of these players on the bench to get up to upgrade a Marty to a playing four point five defender or something just to ben be extra White. safe. <laughs> yeah, if you if you downgraded, I don't know, Cancelo to a five point five or something like that, then you could upgrade a Marty to just have that extra security on the bench. 
Very true. Um, or even Mankia, I think he might be possibly starting for Newcastle, so he's another option for formerly in defender. That's true. But yeah, the, the point was just you want to get your budget on the pitch, I think, and not... Yeah, not have like, 7 million people on your bench. <laughs> um, right, the last final one, it's slide seven, is our price points one. So people that have given a thought to starting strategy may think that the best thing to do is to have not have two players at the same price point. And I started off doing this. My very first draft was like this. So you look through the defence, all four defenders um, going down through the prices, Trent, um, Shaw, Kufel, um, Veltman and Simakas are all different prices. Then in midfield, you go down again through Salah to Sun to Havertz to Rafinha to Brownhill. And then up front, you, you go down from Ings to, to Wilson to Tony. And it's a bit like the flexibility one that because you've got every you've got quite a lot of the popular price points covered that if someone does really well in week one and you want them there's probably going to be a sideways move for you to, to, to these players so it's maybe a more balanced way of the flexibility one we showed earlier by doing it through price points it's not quite so heavy on the premiums in every price point it's not the premium and the fodder all mixed together this one's got more balance in terms of covering those middle bracket um and they say it gives you flexibility to then be able to move to other people again. So this is what I started off with a setup quite like this. Obviously, it does if you are setting up like this, though, it does mean that if there's two sort of high owned players that you uh, high price players that you want, but it might not fit into this pricing breakdown. So then you can't have them again. I'll use Bruno as an example. If you wanted him, it doesn't really work in this setup. If you wanted two premium defenders, that might not work in this setup either. Um, so it does have these issue, issues in terms of if you want X number of premiums in your team. But... It's a nice squad. I do like that team. Yeah, and that's again, again, the bench isn't too bad. Rafidia maybe could be downgraded. Um, but it, it, this one's probably the most balanced we've shown, I think. It's got most of the price points covered. So I, I guess that's, it's another interesting way to start to give you just the chance to get to anyone, pretty much anyone. Say if, if a premium striker comes in, you might be having a few issues. And if you want Bruno, you might not be easy to get him and Salah. But within reason, you should be able to get to any of the mid-price mids, for example, which are probably the, the bracket a lot of people might be struggling to, to reach with their squads if one of them does well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, in terms of that squad, I, it's just not lacking anywhere. That's the other thing. Um, that, you know, the first, it's a, it's a fantastic setup for you, the first game week, definitely. Um, in terms of the bench, tell me about Brownhill, because Brownhill appears in a lot of people's, like, I guess he's a nailed starter for Burnley. Yeah, and he, he, he's, I don't know how I think, so I've, I've done quite a good job at trying to watch extensive highlights of quite a lot of pre-season games, but I haven't watched any of Burnley's. <laughs> so maybe I've let myself down by not doing that. But I know he scored a few goals and got a few assists in some of their, some of their earlier really, pre-season games. I wouldn't say you let yourself down. I mean, not just today, he's been in our, our obviously the seven teams, but, but I've seen him in a lot of drafts as well. So, I mean, he must be doing something right in pre-season. Burnley are just not a team I really like obviously as a Blackburn fan mm -hmm. uh but I also don't think they play great football either in the premiership so for me you know I think last week we said we did the three three clubs who were going to come bottom and I think Burnley appeared in one or two of them I just don't really have you know apart from Dwight McNeil who's I think is a fantastic footballer I just don't have, know their assets that well apart from well, I'm Chris Wood I guess um so for me I, I just wouldn't do any research into them and I, I certainly don't like them in fact I've targeted them with one or two Brighton players in the first game I think the 4.5 mid some people are going to Gilmore or they think they'll play for Norwich but their fixtures are awful or yeah. more more of them have gone to Basuma who's really a holding midfielder who's probably more likely to get booked than do anything attacking yeah I've got Basuma but he, at least Brownhill 
at least Brownhill does get forward a bit. He's obviously a 4.5 million midfielder for a reason. He's unlikely he's going to score 10 goals, but at least he's probably going to be, he's not tasked with being Burnley's defensive midfielder like Basuma is for Brighton. No, true. So he's probably got slightly more chance of an assist. It's probably not a lot in it, to be honest, but I say Basuma's games as a defensive midfielder, isn't it? So in that role, he's going to get himself booked. He's going to not really have any shots. He might score. I think I remember last year, didn't he score one rocket of a goal in quite early on in the season? He was I had him I had him at the start of last year on the bench, unsurprisingly, okay. when he scored that rocket. But um I don't think you're gonna get much out of him. So Brownhill was just maybe has a little bit more upside, but I don't think you should be splitting hairs over what four point five million midfielder you want. I don't think most weeks are gonna be sub, right? Like in, I think in this team, Brownhill's got a home game against Brighton. It's not doesn't really get that much better than that for Burnley. And he's still only second on the bench. Yeah, exactly. So you're only going to be using him when that 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 part of your squad you're only going to be using when you're desperate, shall we say? So as long as you've got a play in one, it probably shouldn't make that much difference. But yeah, I think the take the takeaway from all this is that there are obviously seven strategies. There's probably seven other ones, or even more than seven other ones you might want to adopt to start with. And I think the key one is to maybe in some way try and amalgamate all of these together. So look at the fixtures, look at the price points. Um, look at the ownership, for example, maybe look at some of the differentials and try and squeeze one or two of them in there to have an edge. I don't think any of these are right or wrong by themselves. I think they're all strategies you could adopt and it may work for you. I think the better the better strategies and people who do best will have some way of some a mix of these. Um, but it was just for new more, more for new players, more than anyone, just to get an idea of the strategies they could adopt and just get them thinking maybe about things they hadn't really thought about up until now. Yeah. The, the only other one we, we haven't focused on and, and I haven't seen anyone adopt it either in any draft is like the big at the back, like people who just chuck it all in defence. I've not seen anyone do that this year. Not like it hasn't happened. One of my drafts early, when before Robertson got injured, I was very set on Trent, Robertson and um, Shaw. And I think in one of my drafts, I had Diaz with them as well. Oof. So I had all four of those with, I think even the fifth defender was a five million. It wasn't like I had complete fodder. With them. But obviously I wasn't particularly impressed by Man City's defence in the Community Shield. I've, I've then, and I think they're open to get exposed by a couple of their early games, Norwich aside. Um, that, and Robertson's got injured as well. That defence, if you had had that defence, would have absolutely strangled your midfield and striker. <laughs> well, I didn't have Bruno, but I think my midfield was still okay. I still had Salah. I still had, I think I had Mares. I think I had Salah, Mares, um, Rafinha, Ben Rama, and Brownhill. I think. Really? With the premium defence, and then I still had Antonio uh, Watkins at the time and Oberfemi. So my team was okay. Yeah, that's not, it doesn't sound terrible, to be fair. As long as you knew you were going to be getting those points from the defence, it's not not awful. No, I, I was setting up to play 5-3-2 at that point. Um, okay. But I've gone, I say, with Robertson getting injured, I wasn't happy with the Man City defence. And I've started to come around a bit more to spending a bit more in midfield. I've I've dropped that. But um, midfield's it could work. Midfield's where your money's at, I think, this year. Definitely. Okay, that's it. Yeah, I think we're done. We are. We certainly are. Well, appreciate uh, you jumping on for a, for a pod <laughs> this morning. Um, nice way to start the day to talk football. Um, this will go out. I think we're going to send this out today. So, yeah. uh, you know, if uh, you're struggling with your teams, be trying to get locked in tomorrow, then uh, hopefully this will help you guys. But uh, I think I'll call full time on that. What do you think? Yeah, do it. Oh, you love the little whistle. <laughs>